It is presented by Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. So glad to be here with you on a beautiful summer day and hope that you are enjoying your space. If you are doing perhaps a staycation this summer, we kind of are too. I, I tried to book a campsite, Leslie, this week. I could not get even you a campsite right? to go anywhere. We were going to go up to the Delaware Water Gap. It's all crazy sold out or filled in. And, and the state parks that are open, even the federal parks, they, they say that if you don't get there by 9 o'clock... The whole oh, lots are full, forget it. which means the trails are full. And if you like to do hiking like we do, I mean, we've been hiking for our whole lives, but there's a lot of new hikers, which is great. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Just do you not all have to come at the same time. I mean, really, I will say I took the kids to um, Bushkill Falls in Pennsylvania. We had never been there, and we wanted to go hiking as well. Same thing, masks required, um, but the trails were surprisingly more packed than I had hoped. I mean, great to be outside, but still. Yeah. It's, you know, trails are, are like literally wide enough for, for one stream of people. You know, yeah, you have to sometimes. kind of step aside, so it's hard to like, you know, get around people. Anyway, so <laughs> for all those reasons and more, we know that you're spending a lot of time around your house. I know I've been doing a lot of projects, Leslie, you've been doing projects, and you guys, whatever project you've been doing that maybe didn't go perfectly, or maybe you're thinking about something and you don't know what to do first, second, and so on, whether you should do it yourself, whether you do need to get a pro, if you are going to bring a pro into your house, how do you make sure that it's done safely for you, for them, for everybody, and you still get your project done right. We'd love to talk with you about what's going on in your house. Give us a call. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT. You can dial that number any time of the day or night. We are always open. We always have a team of uh, screeners standing by to take your questions. If we're not in the studio, we will call you back the next time we are. So coming up on today's show, if you love to have a backyard pool, but maybe you just don't have the space or you can't afford it, we got two words for you. Spool pool. We're going to share tips on how you can combine the benefits of a pool and a spot in one very refreshing backyard feature. And also ahead, decorative window shutters are an attractive addition to your home's exterior, but they're not going to do a thing to actually protect your windows. If you're looking for actual window protection, we're talking about storm shutters, so we'll tell you about those in a bit. And painting offers one of the easiest and least expensive ways to transform a space, and it always seems so easy, right? I mean, (laughs) it is, unless you make one very common mistake. We're going to share that secret to painting success just ahead. But first, we want to hear what you are working on. You're running out of weeks for the summer, so maybe you're really trying to finish that outdoor space, or you're thinking about gearing up the interior for the, I'm sure, much more amount of time we'll be spending indoors in the fall. Whatever it is you are working on, we're here to lend a hand, so give us a call. 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Lauren in Florida is on the line with a lead paint question. How can we help you today? Hi, uh, my husband and I are remodeling... A 1907 home that's been vacant for multiple years, so there's lots of damage. Um, a lot of the paint's chipping off the windows. Um, there's, uh, on the B-board and wainscoting, a lot of the paint's chipping off. And um, 
someone has gone in and put like sheet rot mud to texture over the uh, original plaster walls, so some of that's chipping off. And we've got three young children, so we need to repaint this house and fix it. And we're really concerned about the lead paint issue. Yeah, understandably so. And I mean, your house is in the time frame where you do need to be concerned about lead paint. Now, we had an issue when we put central air conditioning in the house when my son was six months old. Um, you know, when he was little, I didn't think that, you know, any concern and they did a great job. They were very tidy. They contained all the dust, but something must have gotten on something. And when we had gone for his next exam, he had elevated lead levels, you know, probably from some dust getting on a toy and then the toy going in his mouth, anything. Anyway, it turned out, you know, after we did the next blood work, his levels went back to normal. So we were really not concerned at that point, but it is a very scary issue. Now, I'm not sure nationwide what the rules are, and maybe Tom can speak better on this, but in New York, when you are fairly certain that you've got lead paint or the time frame sort of dates it that way, you have to work with a painter or a contractor who's certified in sort of lead paint containment, if you will, because even if you have it on a window frame and you're opening and closing that window, you're creating little specks of lead dust that are getting into the air, and with small children, you do need to be concerned. So you do need to make sure that if you can, that this is done by a pro. I mean, there's nothing that regulates when a homeowner does it themselves. But knowing that you probably have lead paint and the small children in the home, I would just have a pro do it. And you want to make sure that things are taped off and really sealed up and cleaned very thoroughly. I mean, there are specific rules I know in New York State that allow for a contractor to be certified. And that's something you really want to look for. Yeah, and especially because the paint is flaking in deteriorated condition right now. I mean, that's the highest risk for this, Lauren. So you're wise to proceed very cautiously and make sure that the contractor that you're working with um, is certified as a lead professional. All right. Thank you. You're welcome, Lauren. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Michael in North Carolina, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? We have a hot, hot water heater in our garage on, on like an elevated plateau. And we noticed the other day there was a slight leak underneath it, but it looked like it might have been coming from a uh, like a PVC-type tube coming from the top of our water heater. That's the length of the water heater is the tube. And we've never seen water under that area before, and we now notice some of that. So I wasn't sure why if it was a sweating situation or some type of relief valve maybe or something like that, but I'm not sure why water would have been there. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a temperature and pressure relief valve. It's mounted on the side of the water heater. It's designed to open up if the water heater develops too much pressure as a safety mechanism. However, uh, they frequently wear and leak. So I'm going to tell you what you can try to do, but I'm also going to warn you. Uh, there's a lever on the side of that, and sometimes you get a little bit of a debris that's stuck inside that that uh, temperature and pressure valve. And you pull the lever, it'll shoot some water out that tube. You want to make sure you have a bucket under it. Just two or three times, it'll kind of blast some hot water out of there. However, the warning is that sometimes... Once you do that, the valve never sits back properly, and it ends up leaking worse. Um, so it's possible you could make it worse by doing this, but that's worth trying. Uh, if you just want to leave a bucket under it, monitor it for a little while. How old is this water heater? Uh, about 1990, 1998. Oh, oh, well, you know what? You're due for a new one. So 1998, I, I wouldn't wait too much longer before I replace that because, uh, let's face it, it's about, what, 15 years old now? 
And so, you know, a water heater that gets past 10 is, you know, well uh, on its way to uh, needing uh, to the end of its, of its useful life. So I would, you know, you could monitor it, stick a bucket under there, keep an eye on it. But I think it's uh, it's about time to think about replacing. It's not an emergency replacement. So you got some time to shop around. One of the problems with water heaters is once they do leak, they usually have to be done immediately and people get taken advantage of because they need it today. But you're not in that situation, Michael. So you could take some time and shop around and, and, and find the one, the contractor that you want. But uh, 15-year-old water heater, you might want to think about replacing it. All right. I appreciate that very much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right. Now we've got Diane in Illinois who needs some extra storage space at her Money Pit. How can we help you today? Well, I have a deck off of our master bedroom, and it's a 12 by 12 deck, and I want to turn it into a walk in closet, and I want to bring my washer and dryer from the basement upstairs and put it into that closet. Well, this sounds like a good project, Diane, but I have to tell you that generally when people try to convert a deck into a finished room, I've seen it done many, many times, especially in the 20 years I spent as a professional home inspector. It just doesn't work for a lot of reasons. Now, I, I can understand that you want it to you know, flow nicely into the house and all of that, but you're really talking about an addition here. And if you're going to build an addition, you typically we're going to build it different than a deck. What I would recommend is that even though this is a small project, it's a complicated project because not only do you want a closet, you also want laundry there. I think this is a great opportunity for you to consult with an architect because you have a lot to do to get this done correctly and you also don't want to make it look like it's sort of slapped on the outside of your house because it's going to detract from your home value. But every single time I've seen somebody try to take a deck and convert it into leading, living space, it's never worked out too well. It might be that you can preserve some of the framing and maybe incorporate it in there, but it's going to now be living space. It's going to have to be heated. It's going to have to be cooled. It's going to have to have wiring. It's going to have to have plumbing. You know, it's a it's an addition. It's no longer going to be in a deck. So while that space might fit well for it, you know, starting with the existing deck doesn't always make the most sense. Okay. Okay. So what would we would have to just tear that deck down and start over, or you may, but that's why I say let's not speculate on this and let's not make a wrong step. This is a type of project where you are well um, advised to hire an architect. It's not going to be an expensive uh, consulting fee because it's a small project. But it's really smart to do that in this situation because you'll find out what you can save and what you have to tear down. You won't make a costly mistake. Okay. I didn't want anything falling off the house and tearing a roof apart, and I didn't want to have to do all of that. So I appreciate your advice. Thank you, Diane. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. 
Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Well, if a backyard pool is something that you would love to have and maybe you can't afford it, you don't have the time to care for it, or you're just short of backyard space, we have two words for you, spool pool. A spool pool is a small swimming pool, and it's designed in a way that's perfect for so many applications. It's a bit bigger than a spot or a hot tub, but it's a smaller footprint than a traditional in-ground swimming pool, and it does fit well within a limited outdoor space or even as an indoor pool. Oh, I mean, that's kind of amazing if you've got the space for Now, you don't need much space because a spool can be anywhere from 10 to 16 feet long and 6 to 8 feet wide. So you have plenty of room to stretch out or even just cool off on a hot summer day. Now, as a person who maybe has a spool in their backyard this summer, thank you to the coronavirus keeping everybody home. You have have a blow-up spool. Uh, Not exactly. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of awesome. And you know what? That size really is perfect for me and the kids and Mm -hmm. it's been great for us you know you also have when you do a real spool you've got the option to add some special features you can do high-powered jets Um, you can get a luxurious spa feeling and like a hot tub that you want but still have the uh, flexibility of having the spool i mean you can also simply switch back to a cool soaking pool if it gets too hot on these summer days i mean it's really easy to switch back and forth too and with less water they do heat up and cool down rather quickly. Now, the main reason that spools are becoming so popular is the fact that they really do work well in smaller spaces. That means if you've got a tiny backyard, you still might be able to have a pool, albeit using a small swimming pool design. You know, you're not going to train for the Olympics in a pool this size, although my kids are trying to. They get one (laughs) stroke in and then they're at the other side. 
But you can still swim shorter laps. You can exercise. You can even get a fancier one that has jets built in, you know, for swimming again. So it's sort of like a current that you're always battling against. So you can really get a good exercise out of it. I mean, there's so many options. Yeah. One even has an underwater treadmill. That is like the ultimate of luxurious exercise, right? How cool is that? Now, they are smaller than a regular swimming pool, but you would think, well, they're smaller. They must be a lot less to expect expensive to install. Uh, not so much. Yeah, they're less expensive, but you have to remember that you have a lot of the same work that goes into it. You know, you got to excavate, right? So that is sort of a day charge to get that done. You've still got the pumps and you've got, a, you know, all the electronics, all the plumbing, all that kind of stuff. It, they, it all adds up. So it's not going to be like, you know, it's a quarter of the size. It's not going to be a quarter of the price. It might be two thirds of the price. They're not inexpensive, but for all the reasons we mentioned, they're really fun to have. If you want more insights, we have a great post on this kind of lays it all out for you. Just search that word spool, S-P-O-O-L on moneypit.com. Tony in Florida is dealing with some not-so-energy-efficient appliances. Tell us what's going on. Yes, um, I have a train 19-share, 3-ton unit. It has like a dual compressor in there. I also have a, um, a Pantier variable speed pool pump. And um, one of those um, heat pump GE water heater. Okay. And as, as far as I'm concerned, those are the three appliances that would be responsible for my big energy bill. Okay. Um, after installing those appliances, I'm still looking at any energy bill ranging between 180 and 2. Wow. That's expensive. Yeah. So let me ask you something about the heat, the, the training that you put in. When you put that in, did you just replace the compressor outside, or did you also replace any of the internal parts? The full unit was um, replaced and reduct. A couple of things that you can check, uh, one of which is to have the HVAC contractor, or if you know how to do this, check the amperage draw for the compressor when it's running. That can be done from the electrical panel with an amp probe. See if we're pulling any excessive amperage. I'm wondering if anything is is um, broken in the compressors uh, or the fan system that's causing it to pull uh, more power than it should. So you can check that against the manufacturer's specification on both the heat pump, frankly, the heat pump, it's a heat pump water heater, correct? Yeah. So check the draw. Um, secondly, uh, is there any other major consuming appliances in the house? How are you cooking? Are you cooking with electric heat, with electricity, I should say? Yes, I'm cooking with a heat induction stove. Heat induction stove. Okay. So you are using quite a bit of power for that. What I, what I want to do is get to the point where we're breaking this down on a, on a case-by-case basis to try to figure this out. Here, here's what I want to tell you to do, okay? you got a lot going on in that house. This would be a really good case for an energy audit. There are energy auditors that uh, you could usually find through your local uh, utility company, or you can find them independently. And in many areas of the country, there are rebates for these, or they're even free. Energy auditors can come in and look at every source of energy that's being consumed in that house, as well as insulation, windows and doors, things like this. And the last thing about an energy auditor is they're not there to sell you stuff. You know, sometimes when you, you call a contractor and say, I want an efficient you know, heating system, they sell it, They sell you what they want to sell you. Energy auditors are kind of like home inspectors, but they specialize in energy efficiency. And they can do an independent evaluation of all of the elements in the house and help you very accurately pin down where that energy is going. Sometimes it's free. 
because it's paid for by the utility companies. In fact, some utility companies, as a condition of licensing, are required to provide energy auditors or low-cost auditors. Find a good one, research them carefully, and get an energy audit done at your house. And I think that that will help you stop speculating on where the power, where the energy is being used and where it's not, and get some real factual data that can help you make some intelligent decisions on how to cut those costs. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. We want to make sure that you are a do-it-yourselfer and don't become a do-it-to-yourselfer by taking a misstep or two along the way. Very easy to do and trust us. We know it because we've made those missteps ourselves (laughs) and we have learned from our mistakes. We will share those stories with you. Well, maybe not all of them because there is a point where we don't want to share. We would be oversharing what happened the time I was replacing the roof of my mom's house because, you know, I wanted to be a good son and she needed a new roof. And I stepped through the roof, through the drywall, and right into her kitchen ceiling. So now I put a little sign in there where my foot came through. It said, Tom was here. So she knew I cared, you know, because <laughs> we wanted mom to know we were, we were working on it. <laughs> is the number here. Give us a call right now. We will help you get your project done, hopefully without putting holes in the ceiling. Aaron in Ohio is on the line and needs some help with the playground. What can we do for you? We have a swing set, um, swing set slash play set. It's made out of treated wood, and it's about 10 years old. The flat surfaces, they've turned black, and the wood is cracking. I'm wondering how I can best clean that up. Well, the best thing to do is to use a wood cleaner, but let me ask you this. Is it pressure treated, this wooden play set? I believe so, yes. Because, you know, pressure-treated lumber is sort of falling out of favor as a, uh, as a, as a playset because of the chemicals that are in the pressure-treated lumber leaching out of the lumber, getting into the soil, and so on. So i just give you a bit of a warning on that. But if you want to clean this, uh, Flood makes a product called Flood Wood Cleaner that works really well. Basically, you wet the lumber down, you apply the wood cleaner, you let it set for 20 or 30 minutes. You don't let it dry. You may have to re-moisten it again. Uh, and then you kind of scrub it clean. You can use a pressure washer after that to scrub it clean. It does a pretty good job of brightening up the finish, taking away the dirt and the grime and lifting up any of that old gray sort of oxidation that settles on the wood or the black oxidation that settles on the wood. You can find that at most home centers and hardware stores. Uh, And again, it's called Flood Wood Cleaner. Okay. Once I have it clean, then am I better, do you think, to stain it or paint it? No, you're better to stain it. What you want to do is use solid color stain as opposed to semi-transparent stain because it'll last a lot longer. Uh, the solid color tends to fade a little bit better and doesn't, like, peel like paint would. And the same thing, like, we have a swing, like a porch swing that I'd like to put on there as well. Same thing, then, with that to clean it up. It's been outside for some time. Yes. If it's if it's natural wood, that's a good product to clean up with. And the same advice applies to the porch swing. Now, is that also made out of pressure-treated lumber, or is that something different? You know, it's about the same age. I believe it is. All right. So, again, use the solid color stain. Okay. Very good. Thank you. You're welcome, Aaron. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, window shutters look great and they do add curb appeal, but most of us have shutters on our homes that are purely aesthetic. Now, if you have a real shutter, these are super functional. They are going to help you safeguard those windows in a storm, and they're also going to keep out the harsh elements like sun in the summer, coldness in the winter. These are the things you need. 
Yeah, but you got to remember that shutters that we see today are modeled very loosely from the original wood shutters that had a more practical than decorative purpose. In fact, you know, when these shutters were first putting put on the house, I don't think people were going up and down looking at the neighbor's house saying, those are some fine-looking shutters, you know, because it was practical. It was what you did to protect your windows from flying debris and keeping the sun out and so on. Now, the types of shutters that were original actually attached on the inside of the window trim. So right now we kind of mount them outside the window trim and they just sort of sit there. That's actually kind of out of place. They would be mounted on the inside Mm -hmm. so they could open and close the same way like say a a door would, like a louvered door, right? When when they're open, the shutters are held in place with this big type of metal hook, which actually has a kind of funny name. It's called a shutter dog. And (laughs) it's sort of like a turnbuckle, right? And when the shutter's open, you twist it and it holds it in place. Now, if you want real shutters, they are still available, right? Yeah, but these are something that you have to have custom made. And even stores like Home Depot will sell them online, even along with some of the hardware that you're going to need. But they are not cheap. And I mean, I've seen them online for anywhere from 150 upwards to 800 a pair. Now, if you can't do the whole house at once, you can start with the front for appearance or do the south and east sides of the house, which are going to get the most sun. I mean, you have to think cost effectively, but also what's going to do the most and give you the most benefit. Yep, definitely. Now, if you want to go with real wood shutters, one more thing to think about is painting, because you got to remember that if you want to protect the shutters against moisture, infiltration, and rot, there are actually six sides to be painted. That includes the top and bottom edges. Those are the edges where the moisture gets in, so you don't want to forget that. Now, if you live in an area that's at risk for hurricanes or even tropical storms, there is another type of shutter that you can install, and that's called a hurricane shutter. And these are also going to help you reduce insurance premiums and the cost that associated with having, you know, hurricane damage to your house. Yeah, and these are not wooden louvered panels. They're motorized. They're made of metal. They're mounted at the top of the window. There's like a cylindrical. It kind of looks like a shade on the outside of your house, but much bigger. And if a storm is coming or if you just want extra security, you hit a button, probably on your phone, and they lower automatically. They do a really good job of keeping flying debris from breaking through your windows and keeping unwanted visitors like burglars from getting through your windows as well. So lots of options there in shutters. Uh, other than the plastic kind that you probably grew up with, the real wood ones did serve a purpose. And if you really want to keep the storms out, go with storm shutters. Dave in New York is on the line and has a plumbing question. What are you working on? I had a couple of kind of electric plumbing and heating contractors. I had them give me estimates and I wanted text piping put in. And they discouraged me from it because they were told that it was made with soy oil so that they could put a green label on it. And they already had to replace in some homes the PEX piping because rodents had been chewing on the pipes. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I mean, I could see rodents potentially chewing on plastic pipes. But I will tell you that I've not heard that as a long-term, as a, as a, as a widespread problem. I mean, PEX piping is really quite good. It enables you to do things that you can't do with uh, with metal piping, with copper piping. It's just a lot less expensive to install as well. So um, I don't think it's a wide enough problem that I would stop using it. I would continue to use it. You don't know if they make it with soy oil or not. No, I don't. But I tell you what, rodents will chew anything. So it doesn't surprise me that maybe they had some rodent issues with it. But uh, I don't think it's a it's a problem that would prevent me from using PEX. Okay. I was just curious to know. All right, Dave. Well, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us in 888 Money Pit. 
Well, paint offers one of the easiest and least expensive ways that you can transform your spaces. And it seems like it's such an easy project, right? You pick a color, you open the can, you dunk in your brush, and you're good to go. Well, this is why homeowners often make the very common but disastrous step of skipping the painting prep work. Yeah, and unfortunately, if the surfaces are not clean, they're not patched, they're not sanded, they're not primed beforehand, you are going to get very disappointed on the results. You know, painting is the easy part. Applying the finish, that's the easy part. The getting ready, that takes the work. For example, the primer coat. You know, primer is like glue. It's the glue that makes the paint stick to the wall properly. And if you don't do it, you're going to have some separation. You hear about peely paint. It's because it wasn't primed properly or the surface wasn't primed properly, and you're going to go through a lot more work trying to get that finish off, that finished paint off. We have had those calls many times on this show where folks just didn't get it and they didn't prime and now they got a room full or a house full of peely paint and there's, there's no easy way to get that loose paint off. No, you're going to actually have to prep it all again, really, for the it's first time. Worse. And it's, it's a even lot worse. more work. Yeah. You know, one more thing I think people forget. Before you choose that color, you need to research the formulation of the paint and then the sheen as well because there's certain sheens that work better for certain spaces. And then whatever your budget is for paint, go with the highest quality of paint that you can buy. You know, a top-of-the-line finish does go on beautifully, will last longer, and deliver the best return on investment over the long haul. Yeah, and choosing the right sheen for the project is also important because you've got semi-gloss, you've got eggshell, you've got flat. You know, semi, for example, looks good on trim, but anything with even the least amount of sheen, you put that on a wall guess what? You're going to see every imperfection in that wall that you never saw before because the the light picks it up. Especially if you've got like a ceiling fixture. Boy, if you turn that light on and you've got a sheet on your ceiling, you're going to see every nail pop, crack, you know, bad trowel mark from putting spackle on 20 years ago. It'll show. So you need to use the right sheen for the project. Generally speaking, with, with trim and doors, you want to use something that you can clean. So that would be a semi-gloss. But for ceilings and walls, you want to use a flat. And you don't have to use even an eggshell, which is like one step up from a flat. What you need to do is get washable flat. The better paint you buy, the easier it will to keep it clean. So you don't have to have a sheen for it to be cleanable. You just have to give good paint. Now we've got Carl in Maryland on the line. Welcome to the Money Pit. What can we help you with today? My toilet is making a whistling sound. Uh, It's a high-pitched monotone. doesn't do it all the time. It starts and stops intermittently. I've, I've tracked it down to the where the fill is, where the water comes into the toilet. Yeah, what's causing that, Carl, is the fill valve, and it's not an unusual uh, condition. We, we see that a lot. We've heard about it many times. And the reason it happens intermittently is it's somewhat uh, indicative on the expansion and contraction of those parts, and it's going to vary based on the water temperature. Um, but it also was only going to happen when the toilet's refilling. So what you should do is simply replace the fill, and while you're at it, the flush valve, because they usually come in a set. They're not very expensive. You can buy both for probably 15 bucks. And if you follow the instructions that come with these, it, it is a do-it-yourself project to be able to kind of pretty much rebuild your toilet. Okay. Sounds good. Now, um, if I may point out something, um, it does it when the water's not running in the house at all. Sometimes. Right, and here's here's why that's happening, okay? Because you probably have a leaky flush valve. That's one of the reasons I said to replace uh, both fill and flush valves. Because if you have a leaky flush valve, you're going to very slow leak 
of water out of the bowl, the fill valve will respond to that and refill that bowl. So you're probably wasting some water because of this condition as well. So it's a good thing you found it. But again, it's an easy, inexpensive fix, and you can do it yourself. Okay, very good, Tom. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, this is the time of year that the HVAC system is getting a big workout. And Dave posted this question. He writes, we purchased a home about 10 years ago and since have found several significant problems, including several rooms that do not have return air ducts to the HVAC system. And some also have registers that don't seem to be connected to the system at all. I've heard that there's a way to run small three-inch hoses through the walls to correct this problem. Is that a solution? Um, Dave, it seems that I think what you're doing, you're talking about a different type of system, but let's do this first. You have to understand that not all homes have return air vents in every room. In fact, you know, most forced air heating and cooling systems use one or two centrally located return air vents. This is the vent that's usually in the hallway if you have a ranch or the top of a staircase in a colonial, and it essentially takes the air from all the rooms. The supplies go into the rooms, and it takes that air and it returns it back to the system from one central point, not in-room supplies and returns. Now, you also mentioned that some rooms have registers that don't appear to be connected. They may or may not be return air vents. It's kind of hard to tell because you don't really feel the air going back, but I will give you an easy test from my years in the home inspection business. Just grab a tissue, hold it up in front of that register when, of course, the HVAC system is blowing, and watch it. If there's any return air there, it's going to draw that tissue right up against the register really quick, and it'll be obvious to you that, yeah, you are getting return air um, flow right there. Now, as for your question about the three-inch ducts, I think what you're talking about is a system that we call Space Pack. It is a small ducted high-velocity system. It's really popular when you're retrofitting an older house because the ducts can be run inside those existing wall cavities, which means you get very little damage. It's not a solution for a home that just has an inadequate run of return ducts. If that's the case, you'd be better off running a new central return air duct uh, somewhere central to the bedrooms that are missing them. The only thing you'll need to do in addition to that is make sure you have about a one-inch gap under the door, which is not a lot, but an inch, inch and a half under the door, because when the doors were closed, uh, that will so- serve as the point where the air can get from the room back into that return register and, and reheat or recool. You have to remember that the way HVAC systems work is they don't just take the air in once and chill it to, to the perfect temperature and send it out again. It has to kind of happen over and over and over again. The cycle has to continue for it to work right. All right. Next up, we have a post from Debbie in North Andover, Massachusetts, who writes, what is the best way to get dark stains off of composite decking? Well, if the stains you're reporting are algae or mold or moss or mildew, the first thing that you want to do is try to improve the environment around that deck so you get more sunlight. This is a long-term solution. So if you can trim back trees, get a little sun on that, that's going to help. To clean it off initially, you can use any of a number of deck cleaning products. Usually the way it works is you have to apply the product, let it sit for a while, and then scrub it off. I would not use a pressure washer for this unless it was on a very light-duty setting because even with composite, it's going to scar that material. And once you get the cleaning done the first time, and like I said, there's a bunch of products you can use. Um, Zinzer has one that works well. There's um, oxygenated bleaches. But you know, get that first um, blast of the stain off. Open up that space to a little more sunlight, and you won't have to do it nearly as much going forward. All right, Debbie, I hope that helps. And you know what? Composite decking is really a great choice because it's going to last over time. It's not going to warp and rot, and it is easy to clean. So once you find that right formulation, you'll be good to go. 
This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. We are just about out of time. I want to take a moment to thank you for spending part of your day with us. You know, all the data shows that more and more folks, now that we're staying home, we are taking care of our homes. We are improving our homes, and we are making that space exactly what we want it to be because we all know we're going to be in this for a while, and we want to enjoy the space around us. So remember, as those projects come to mind, if you don't know what to do, you don't know where to start, you can always start right here with one eight 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 money I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.